Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. I've got loads of guests today. Uh, One of them is, uh, I was going to say familiar face, but we're only audio. So a a familiar voice on the podcast. We've got Mallory back again. Um, Mallory, thanks for being here. Yay. I'm glad to be back. I can see you. The audience cannot, but thanks for the little dance. We're happy to have you back. (laughs) Um, and you know what, Mallory, I'm going to spare you from having to like reintroduce yourself again. I know you've done that many times on the podcast. I like to think that the audience knows you very well, that you're like famous among our group. So what I'd like to do is also spend some time introducing our friend Lodge. Lodge, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. And I'm not going to do a dance on purpose. Uh, actually, I will. Yeah. Well, thanks for having, that was all I got. Just that little shimmy. I know you can't see it. Audio podcast. I get it. It's just audio. Um, Yeah. So my name is Lodge McCammon. I have a PhD in education, worked in the education and training space for many decades, uh, designing a number of different programs. I'm also a musician. uh, And most recently I have been working on being a therapeutic humorist, helping people cope using therapeutic humor. I love it. Thanks, Lodge. And, um, you know, it it seems like what you do and what you have been doing for so long aligns perfectly with what we talk about uh, for the podcast. How did you get into this? Hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, a a few years ago, four years ago or so, um, uh, my girlfriend, uh, my partner, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer at 34 years old. And uh, obviously extraordinarily difficult time. It kind of blows up your life a little bit. Um, And at the time I was launched from sort of a boyfriend to a full-time caregiver as she went through surgery and the surgery, as it turned out, she needed chemotherapy and then radiation. So the whole, the whole story there, the whole shebang. And then has a series of medicines that she has to be on for for many many years after that. So it it really changed a lot uh, about our lives. And that particular year that she was going through active treatment was extremely extremely challenging uh, for her for sure. I mean that trauma is is deep and very difficult uh, for me being a full time caregiver. Also very difficult. Uh, there's a lot of unique challenges when it comes to being a caregiver. And for years and years, I've I've always loved comedy, and I never. I, best way to say it is, I never really understood it. I I would watch comedy or listen to comedy, and just think it was magic. I don't. I couldn't explain or understand how people came up with this stuff. My my perspective was, well, these are just really like naturally funny people who just step on stage and start saying things. And I always loved it. Uh, and I always tried to integrate some comedy. I mean, I was a I had a professional speaking career for many, many years, and I always tried to integrate some funny things, but didn't really didn't understand what I was doing. I just had sort of a little bit of a natural um, aptitude uh, for making people laugh from time to time. 
Um, but anyway, so going through this really difficult time um, and being this full-time caregiver, I had to slow everything else down in my life and just focus on caregiving. So while that was really challenging, I did have kind of a lot of extra time. And what I did with that time, and I started thinking, okay, well, I'm going to figure out comedy. I'm going to see if I can use comedy as a coping mechanism, not only as a sort of a distraction from the pain of what's happening, but also can comedy and humor help me cope with these very difficult situations in, in the form of like, you know, writing jokes about painful things. Can I make a painful thing into a pleasurable thing was the question I was asking myself. So I got down to work. Like I studied it. I read everything I could find. I watched every video I could find. Um, I took courses. Uh, I, I did the whole thing. I just jumped right into it and sort of started figuring out, figuring it out a little bit. And for me, it was a lot of writing, like writing jokes about painful things. Like we'd go to a, a chemo appointment and it would be terrifying. <laughs> and then I would come home and write some jokes about it. And sort of early on, I made a little bit of a mistake because I would write jokes about these painful things. And the mistake was, and then I would share those jokes with my girlfriend. And you might think, wow, that's a really cool thing. But it was remarkably triggering for her. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm using it. I'm telling my version of this story to help me cope. And by sharing these videos, because uh, I record my jokes on video and I share the videos with her. And most of her responses were, Ugh, oh, gosh, that's really, really triggering and painful. And my response to her was, well, I'm only trying to help. Like, I'm trying to bring I'm trying to bring comedy to your life. It's really helpful for me. And by sharing it with you, I'm only trying to help. And it where, was not helpful. Where have I heard that before? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, there's some podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. I'll look into it. Yeah. yeah, look into it. Google it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so what? what's really fascinating, um, because I was only trying to help. It was very helpful for me, not helpful for her. Um, and that started to bake in this concept that performing comedy, like performing comedy about other people's pain is incredibly risky. And a lot of times you're going to get that pushback of like, don't laugh at my pain. My pain is serious. Um, but what started to change um, after all these years, and and I kept working on comedy myself, and my girlfriend actually started working on it herself, started to use some of the strategies that I was using, started to use some of the exercises. And when she would write her own jokes about her pain, she thought those were hilarious. I mean, she just lost it, loved it. So let's put this together. When I told her jokes about things that were painful for her, to her, not funny. When she wrote jokes about her own pain, hilarious. So in terms of trying to help, it was clear to me. Telling her jokes, not helpful. Helping her create her own story, her own narrative, her own jokes, extremely helpful. In fact, therapeutic. Yeah, there's something about being in on the joke that I think is probably quite um, empowering for people. Mm, good point. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Lodge. That helps me a lot. And um, before we dig any more deeply into this topic of therapeutic humor, I think we ought to introduce our other guest um, against my better judgment. Uh, Ma Mallory said, hey, why don't we invite your husband onto this episode? He can join us for a conversation 
about therapeutic humor, perhaps between couples. And I felt all the hesitations of, oh, dear God, personal life, professional life merging (laughs) together. Um, Am I comfortable with this? And I thought, you know what? Let's just go with it. So Dave, you want to say hello? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So here's, here's why we may notice Dave is a man of few words on this podcast. And I hope, I hope he doesn't continue to be, but I've given him an impossible task and a mixed message, in fact, which is please behave yourself and also be totally absurd and play with comedy. And, and, and it's an impossible task. He's going to do his best to, uh, to honor both of those, I'm sure. And that's why we get, hi, hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to do the impossible. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I, I hear in your voice, you're trying to stay in your lane, but you know what? Color outside the lines, do what you need to do. We can have some fun. Um, and, and I'll, I'll be a big girl about it. So folks, what are we doing? I know that Mallory Lodge, you have a little plan for us. Walk yeah. Me through it. Yeah. So, um, exactly like Lodge said earlier is, is the thought process that when we tell people jokes, it's unhelpful when we help people find their own funny and write their own and develop their own sense of humor. It, it is a resource that they can continue to revisit over and over again. And I've discovered this as well with my work in motivational interviewing. And it's really that matter of creating it from within, which is why having Dave here is so important because if, if we're saying, Hey, newlyweds, uh, what's going on in your world? Should we take something that is sort of um, a frustration or uh, a concern and turn it into comedy or something funny? Then we need both of you um, because we want the two of you to be able to co-create some humor moving forward. So in the past several months, Lodge and I have developed a practice called Reframe It Coaching, where we have worked with individuals doing just that, turning hardships into humor And really inviting people to think about how can you apply this absurdity in your everyday life to be able to find some resolution from that stress by laughing. But we we don't want to just tell you about it. We want you to try it. And so we're going to walk through it today uh, together with the two of you. And uh, I love it, Dave. You're going to try and do the impossible because absurd and authentic hilarious. I mean, that's like real life. That's every day in in my very humble opinion. So let's get into it. Lodge. For sure. Yeah. So we're going to do a a couple of different exercises to demonstrate the types of things that we do in our coaching sessions. There's a wide variety of, of things and we try to customize the experience for our clients. So some of this is customized and some of it is just experiential. Uh, but the first thing uh, we're going to do, uh, we're going to try some uh, humor exercises to help us practice generating wildly unreasonable that creates sort of a caricature of reality. Uh, so uh, the first thing to do to create something funny is we want to think of what would be an expected response. Think about these exercises. It'll make sense in a moment. But think of an expected response. Expected responses are not usually funny. Then we're going to ponder what would be an absurd response is typically what sparks laughter in ourselves and others. So are you guys ready to practice? Let's do it. Wonderful. Let's go. go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, So we're going to do five, again, what we call sort of absurdity training exercises. And I'm just going to read 
a statement and the statement's going to have a blank in it. And the, 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 the game is just fill in the blank. And we're going to start by filling in with an expected response. And then we're going to walk into an absurd response. So if I say something like, I may look fine, but deep down, I just want to blank. So what's an expected response? Like an expected response is I just want to cry. Cry. Dave, what do you think? I just want to crawl up in a corner. Yeah, sure. Are, are either of those funny? No, not really. They're kind of serious and like it, it reinforces the stress of what you're saying. Like, oh, yeah, I just feel terrible. Um, nothing really funny about that. So let's let's say um, let's do this again. I may look fine, but deep down, I just want to. What's an absurd response in one word? Something wildly unreasonable. It creates a caricature of the situation. Sing show tunes. So I like sing show tunes. That's good. Try one word. Dave, what do you got? Breakdance. Breakdance. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I may look fine, but deep down, I just want to break dance. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, sing show tunes is also is also mm -hmm. a great response. Uh, mm -hmm. deep, and I was like, but deep down, I just want to sing show tunes. Yes. <laughs> Duh. Oh, both of those are wonderful. Uh, excellent. So we're, we're starting to flex our little absurdity muscle here. See, we walked from reality, which was painful and serious and not funny, into silliness and absurdity. Well, let's try another one. So this is a conversational joke. So it's me. Hello. I'm not going to be able to come into work today. Boss, why not? Me, what would be an expected response in that conversation? I'm not feeling well. I'm sick today. Yeah, not feeling well. Mm -hmm. my, my child is sick. My child is sick. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so neither one of those is funny for the <laughs> same reason. Those are expected responses. Uh, let's think of something absurd, wildly unreasonable that you would say to your boss. So again, me. Hello, I'm not going to be able to come into work today. Boss, why not? Me, and then try absurd just two words. Go, you go. Jumping rope. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a funny thing to tell your boss. Why can't you come into work? Jumping rope. <laughs> All right, what, do you, what do you got? I was thinking like auditioning for Idol. Mm, mm -hmm. Ooh. Uh, idol audition. Idol audition. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Telling your boss, I can't come into work today. Idol audition. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I heard show tunes again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Singing show tunes. Mm -hmm. oh, that's wonderful. <clears throat> okay. So now we're, we've got the expectation thing down. Now we're just going to do absurdity. So uh, here's the next one. Don't be part of the problem. Be a fabulous tap dancer. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> A cat lady. <laughs> don't be part. Don't be part oh of the gosh, problem. Yes. Be a cat lady. Clearly, come on. All right. Wonderful. Uh, let's do another one. Um, another conversational joke. Uh, them. Where did you learn to dance like that? Me. My time is a rocket. <laughs> okay. That, that's actually. It could be expected. I, I, I might believe that. Yeah. Uh, what about something absurd, like wildly unreasonable? I think that's absurd depending on the person. Like sure. if you know the person and that's just absurd that they would be a rocket. So like for me, that feels absurd. <laughs> so, absolutely. I, I love it. That's, that's good. Contextual joke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
from, from Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Yes. Where'd you learn to dance like that? From Mickey Mouse or <laughs> My Time as a Rockette. Both mm-hmm. are wonderful. Both are absurd. All right. Hot dog, uh, hot dog, hot diggity dog. I see you dancing <laughs> like that, Dave. I see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Now, be accurate. The, the, the final. So we're going to do one more absurdity exercise here. Uh, and it goes like this. It's, it's called a comic triple. And in comedy, a comic triple is you say an expected response, another expected response. And that builds the pattern of, oh, you're going to say a third expected response. So it builds that expectation. And then you break the expectation that that creates with an absurd response. So um, there are three things we pride ourselves on as a couple. Um, One, expected. Two, expected. Three, absurd. What do you got? Dave, can I take this one? Sure. So there are three things we pride ourselves on. We always make time for date night. We celebrate our wins and our liver strength. (laughs) Just our liver strength? Dave, you want to try one? I love it. Um, We always have fun together. Um, We always support each other. Mm. And we spin around the floor with uh, with balls juggling in the air. <laughs> we have I, this dancing theme. I think yeah. break dancing is like a major part yeah. of today. I, I I learned that move during my time as a rockhead. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Call back. Uh. Yes. Right. So you can you can see as we continue to practice this and we continue to explore ways of uh, breaking those expectations to diffuse diffuse situations um, using absurdity. And the better we get at either finding, noticing out in the world or creating absurdity, the funnier we can be, especially with couples. It kind of creates a new language, the language of absurdity of making each other laugh. And that's really what we want to build. Uh, we want to give couples the opportunity of building that skill so they can um, increase the laughter in their relationships because couples that laugh together um, tend to stay, stay together longer. Um, and that's that's a wonderful thing. So uh, we're going to now try one uh, therapeutic humor exercise. It's going to look a little similar, uh, but the therapeutic humor exercise uh, helps us practice reframing the struggles in our lives, if we're able to quickly find the funny in a difficult situation, it can actually help us cope. Uh, so research research has shown that using humor and laughter directly after experiencing a stressful situation actually produces a reduction in stress hormones and creates lasting positive feelings. Therapeutic humor, as we're about to do, is a healthy habit that we can practice every day using these exercises. So not only can we practice absurdity in everyday life, just saying absurd little punchlines, but we can now use this to cope the same sort of skill set. Now, <laughs> the uh, a few weeks ago, um, and I'll let Kate tell the story actually, but a few weeks ago, we got together to do this podcast. So Kate, what happened? <laughs> uh, so a few weeks ago, we did attempt to record what, what everyone's listening to right now And we had this lovely conversation. I learned so much about therapeutic humor. We were laughing. We had a great time. I believe by the end of it, we were like virtually high-fiving, celebrating what a great, what a great session we just had. 
and I realized, oh my goodness, I never hit record. Mm. So we lost the whole thing. I was mortified. All of you tried to take care of me because you could tell (laughs) probably by the redness of my face that I was dying a little bit on the inside and showing it on the outside. Uh, And I felt horrible. I felt horrible because I had just taken up everybody's time and and it was a, it, it felt to me like a waste. I, I caught myself before I said it was a waste. It just felt like a waste at the mm. time. Um, so that's what happened. Yeah. And that's, that's heavy. That's a lot to carry is shame, um, self-blame. We did try to kind of reframe and take, and take some of that away. And in that work. So subsequently, before we kind of scheduled this, this particular conversation, um, one of the things that we do is we help people, we help create custom exercises to diffuse stressful situations such as this. So I actually created a custom, simple therapeutic exercise um, that I would like you to try out, see if we can diffuse what's left of maybe some of that shame or that blame that was happening. And the exercise goes like this. We actually got together and had this conversation back in December, but I forgot to hit record because absurd like what's the most absurd reason that you can think of that you forgot to hit record i had too much eggnog <laughs> okay Dave, what do you what do you think what's a really absurd reason to not hit record um flying my hot air balloon because i was fly- <laughs> i was currently i was in a hot air balloon wonderful okay so you have two options kate would you mind reading that whole joke with with whichever punchline you would like to add at the end so here's the whole sentence we actually got together and had this conversation back in december but i forgot to hit record because i had too much eggnog or what was it dave (laughs) because i was in a hot air balloon and i had had too much eggnog yeah i like the combo (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's wonderful so we take so you're, the story you shared with us was heavy and we felt empathy and we wanted to make you feel better and it still weighs, right? So an exercise like this is meant to take the edge off. It's meant to diffuse. It's meant to say, you know what? Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes there are things that are out of our control and we can forgive ourselves for those things using humor by just saying, you know what? It's, it's going to be fine. I'm going to use humor to snap me back into the what is and not the what if, and I can just move forward now that I can laugh a little bit about it. I just want to make an observation about that in terms of how I'm feeling in the moment, making that joke with you. I think because remember the audience here is people who want to take care of and help other people. there's, There's an interesting thing happening when I made a mistake and I felt bad for others for any you know harm I may have caused by my mistake, and that the others are the the people who I feel I may have you know hurt in some way are the same people inviting me to laugh about it makes a difference. I think it's it's mm-hmm. it tells me that you're ready to laugh about it, so it's okay for me to laugh about it. Mm. And and I, I I think there's something in there that's important. Um, maybe not necessary, but but a bonus, right? It's a bonus. That Lodge, Mallory, the two people who I feel I've wasted your time, you're the one saying, let's make jokes about this. That invites me to say, so so it's okay. This is funny. Like, because if you think it's funny, I can find it funny. Mm. Yeah. Well, 
And together we are all laughing at the same thing versus relief, shame. I'm not worried about how you're feeling. I'm, I am in the present of we are up in, up in the air and yeah. it's collaborative. We're all in it together versus entertaining, performing, fixing, solving. And it, it's a totally new shared experience, mm-hmm. um, even though it's the same, uh, you know, it is. And, yeah. and now we get to have this conversation, which I'm incredibly grateful for, um, that we can actually apply it out of real life. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that, um, I think that having, it's, it's amazing. There's a lot to unpack here. It's like having, um, in the moment we were all saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Um, but I think we saw the distinction between saying it's okay. And Hey, let's have a good laugh about it. Those yeah. are two very different things. I think one of them is more powerful than the other. I think let's have a good laugh at it where we're all in on the joke together like we're not othering anything. We're not making fun of you. It's just yeah. you came up with it and evoked absurdity and we could all come together and laugh about that is much more powerful than there's nothing. It's not, there's no value in this, but I think it's much more powerful than just, Hey, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about a time when um, a friend came over and spilled uh red wine on my white couch mm. and my friend immediately started making jokes about, oh, I'm so clumsy. I'm so drunk. And like, she went for humor and I wasn't ready to laugh about the red wine on my white couch. And I, I think what makes this different is you're sort of the, the white couch owners right now. In my analogy, you said, Kate, let's have some laughs about it. And you, you let me know that it would be okay. And I hadn't let her know that like, mm. it's time to laugh about this mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> And I mm-hmm. think it actually bothered me more. It was like, okay, mistakes happen, but like, I'm not, I'm not prepared for your jokes about it just yet. Like I'm still trying to clean this up. Um, and I think what made this feel good was that you invited me to make jokes. I hadn't mm-hmm. invited her to make jokes. Uh, mm-hmm. She was doing that and I was bothered by it then, but this, this worked better. Mm. It's like the owner of the hardship uh, creates the humor is more powerful. In this case, that's sort of what I'm hearing you describe. And um, I think there is something valuable to sort of notice who is experiencing the hurt and where does the humor start? And that's, yeah. Um, yeah. That gives you the chance to say, you know what? I'm not ready to fill in the funny right now. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Invite versus impose. Mm. That's, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the crux of what therapeutic humor is. And we're going to take this a step further by employing this, by inviting you and Dave together to uh, take a situation that is a little stressful between the two of you and create a new story around it that both of you will find pleasure in. So you can take that sort of frustration and find something funny in it and, and um, create that collaboratively so that you aren't imposing. No, no, this is fine. 
sweetheart. Uh, it's it's totally fine and it's funny. As a matter of fact, no. Instead, you're going to create it together. So, we do this um, by using sort of a Mad Lib style way of rewriting and reframing stories. And you, Kate and Dave, submitted a shared frustration to Lodge and I earlier. And we turned that story into this Mad Libs activity that will help us reframe this shared stressful situation. So are, are both of you willing to give it a try? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Well, I love some Mad Libs. So we have some prompts and I'm going to invite you both to fill in the prompts and Lodge is going to be filling it in into the story. So at the end, the two of you can read the story together. And um, so I'm just going to go one by one and you can tell us what your answers are and we'll fill it into the story because we have these blanks, but we're not going to tell you the whole story until it's all the way filled in. Hopefully people out there listening know what Mad Libs are. They're sort of fill in the blank stories, Um, but this is the exact situation that Kate and Dave sent to us with a few blanks that were kind of creating a funnier story. Um, So the first thing that I want you to tell me is something that is very small when it is empty. Um, So we'll go with a helium balloon. Great. Absolutely. Um, What's a large amount of money? Dave? Uh, $10 million. Oh, yes. Yes. I would like that right now, actually. Um, How about (laughs) a type of doll? Dave? No, just kidding. Um, What's a type of doll? An American girl doll. Mm-hmm. See, you did know that that one. Okay. Um, how about let, let's think of what's an even larger amount of money, larger than before? Like like a billion dollars. One billion dollars. Yes, absolutely. Okay. What is a long period of time? Twenty years. Twenty years. Absolutely. Um, and how about an absurd type of shelter? <laughs> uh, a helium balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Full of callbacks today. I like it. Um, how about a specific amount of something um, that you might find in a hoarder's house? So we're sort of looking for an amount and something that you would find in a hoarder's house. Hmm. About a uh, hundred pounds of car parts. Ooh, <laughs> yes, I like it. Um, now we want you to put your creativity hats on. Um, Kate, if you had a rap name, if you were a rapper, what would your rap name be? Um, and maybe Dave wants to think of Kate's and Kate wants to think of Dave's because we're going to need each of your names. Let's do that. Dave, you think of mine. And she loves alliteration. We're going to go with Killer Kate. Ooh, <laughs> Killer Kate. I like I it. I do. I do love alliteration. <laughs> and what would you give Dave as his rap name? Oh, my goodness. I actually call him this all the time. So this is easy. He's DJ Fancy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, DJ Fancy Pants. Word. Okay. <laughs> um, what is an absurd Remember, absurd means wildly unreasonable. Uh, what's an absurd type of clothing? 
Hmm. Dave, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, probably MC Hammer Pants. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He, he would know as DJ Fancy Pants. <laughs> he would know. I'm like sort of dancing like MC Hammer right now. I'm picturing <laughs> Dave doing it too. Okay. All right. Um, tell me the biggest room in, in the house or in your house or in a house. It's probably the living room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And what is something absurd you might take with you to outer space? To outer space. Mm-hmm. Dave? Maybe uh, blow up cats. <laughs> his, his mind is such a scary place. Folks. I love all of this. I love the answer and I love Kate's response, which no one can see, but she's just sort of smiling and shaking her head with adoration, I'm sure. You know, you know what it is? I'm imagining blow up cats with MC Hammer pants. <laughs> Do you see how absurdity like begets absurdity? Like the more you let yourself sort of be flexible, the more you go there. I love it. Um, okay, let's, we have a couple more. Um, how about something, since we have blow up cats in outer space, now something you might find in a church. Oof. Uh, well, Dave's Jewish, so I'm, this one's <laughs> going to have to be on me. Um, my church probably has some Bible soaked in wine. i hear that okay (laughs) perfect um what's something what's the most absurd item to find on the floor at the dmv uh pineapples (laughs) (laughs) obviously yes okay very good and (laughs) what's a creature that can't see very well oh my gosh DJ Fancy Pants, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going with it. That's that's perfect. Um, And what's an absurd way to say it doesn't help? Uh, Any ideas, Dave? Uh, Maybe that uh, shit is pointless or that (laughs) S is pointless. (laughs) You can curse on this podcast. Yeah. It's fine. I think that the struggle is real. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so um, to give the audience a sense of the original story um, so that they can see how we've turned it into a caricature, what we would love is for Kate, you and Dave to read the original story. And then we're going to read the, the version that you just co-created. So. Okay. We have sent it to both of you once again, and I'm just going to let you read it aloud. Okay. Yeah. So for the listeners, we did send this to Mallory and Lodge. They've sent it back to us. So if it sounds like this is being read, it is. We're reading off a screen here. Um, But it starts with, we are sharing a small space right now. We sold our house and we bought our dream house, but it's being built and won't be ready for many months. So we are living in a small apartment in the meantime. We just squeezed five floors of a house into a small downtown apartment, and there isn't room for everything. Dave? We are trying to make compromises. 
like Kate allowed Dave to have all of the closet space since he actually has more clothes and shoes than she does. In exchange, Dave gave Kate a lot more space in the bathroom because she has a lot of skincare products. We want to celebrate our compromises, but it's hard to see past the piles of stuff in the hallway, the living room, the kitchen area to appreciate the good that we have done. It's hard to come home to a place that looks like it's overflowing. We have a tough time just relaxing at home because of the clutter. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for reading the original submission so that the audience can kind of hear what we're talking about. So now, while plugging humor into a narrative, we want to focus on designing an absurd or wildly unreasonable version of that situation. We want the core of the joke to be based in reality, but we want the rest to be a caricature of that reality. Writing jokes like this allows us to step into an alternate alternate universe where there is no judgment, blame, shame, fear, or anger. There's just absurdity. These short vacations into the absurd can provide us some much needed distance from the discomfort. So let's take a vacation. Um, we're going to invite you both to read the new story. Um, Kate, do you want to start? Sure. So it starts like this. We are sharing a small space right now. It's basically the size of a helium balloon. <laughs> Dave? Uh, we sold our house for $10 million, and we bought our American Girl dream house for $1 billion. But it's being <laughs> built and won't be ready for 20 years. <laughs> Feels like it. Feels like it'll be 20 years. So we're living in a helium balloon in the meantime. <laughs> We just squeezed 100 pounds of car parts into a small downtown helium balloon, and there isn't really room for anything else. <laughs> um, we're trying to make compromises, like Killa Kate allowed DJ Fancy Pants to have all the closet space since he actually has more MC Hammer Pants than she does. Maybe. <laughs> In exchange, DJ Fancy Pants gave Killa Kate a lot more space in the living room because she has a lot more blow-up cats than she does. <laughs> um, we want to celebrate our compromises, but it's hard to see past the piles of car parts, wine-soaked Bibles, and pineapples <laughs> to, appreci to appreciate the good that we have done. <laughs> I know it sounds easy, but it's actually hard to come home to a place that looks like it's overflowing with pineapples. <laughs> For whatever reason, that line just hit me the funniest. Okay. Um, we have a tough time just relaxing there. <laughs> so we have, we have started to dress up like Dave in the evenings and on the weekends because they can't see very well. You know what? That shit is pointless. <laughs> Oh, oh, so we just want to take the rest of the time to just kind of talk about what, what do you feel like, you know, how did it feel to re reframe that situation? You know, I said like that line about pineapples, like just for whatever reason hit me the funniest. 
Um, and it did because it was, you know, absurd to think about a place overflowing with pineapples, but, um, <laughs> But there are other lines that maybe I didn't laugh as hard at. And yet I still think the the, the subtle humor will be useful in the long term. Like like that, that the house will take 20 years to be built. I mean, right. it won't be. It'll be, you know, a few more months. No big deal. But but saying that exaggeration of, well, you know, we're going to be here in this little apartment for 20 more years. It's not like fall over funny but it's useful funny. It's like something I think Dave and I might say this evening when we go back there and I'm trying to move a box around and I go 20 more years of this. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like we could use that line, even if it's just kind of like lightly ha ha funny, it's not hysterical funny. Yeah. You're creating these inside jokes that you can revisit again and again, that take you back on that mini vacation just for a brief moment and alleviates that cortisol, that stress of the big picture. Um, perfect. Yeah. Sometime when I want to tell him that he has way too many clothes, I'll say, well, if you didn't have so many MC hammer pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, I'm moving a heavy box. I'm going to ask her why she has so many wine soap Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the exaggeration, the hyperbole is a really interesting strategy. So the 20 years, and there's a lot going on here. So the absurdity, it was something we we have established. So the wine-soaked Bibles, the pineapples, th that's all really useful and fun. The exaggeration is also very useful in a slightly different way, as you as you mentioned. It's sort of like a little bit humorous, maybe. Uh, but exaggeration is fascinating from a reframe standpoint. So kind of classical reframing is like, you got something going wrong. There's something bothering you. What's something positive in it, right? So think about something. And that's really hard work. Like when you're in the middle of something negative, it's hard to be challenged. Be like, okay, well, you know, I don't know, at least my head's still attached to my neck or, you know, um, something. But, you know, exaggeration is fascinating because you're like, well, the, the, it's being built and won't be ready for 20 years. In exaggerating like that and putting it out there, we almost naturally, when we say that, think, well, at least it's not going to be that long. Yeah. And that yeah. right there is a is a way of circumnavigating the difficulty of, re of classical reframing through exaggeration to sort of just naturally do it. Well, at least it's not going to be 20 years. I know it's not going to be 20 years. So, uh, whew, okay. And, I, and it, so the humor really does help us, you know, in Buddhism, I think it's, you know, the, the only way, um, the only way out is through and humor makes the through pleasurable and efficient. Yeah. And, and, and you make a great point about the feeling you get is it's not really going to be 20 years mm -hmm. without having to say those words. There's right. no mm -hmm. need for me to say, Hey, Dave, we're not here 20 years. I don't have to say that the joke implies it when I say, mm -hmm. well, we've got 20 more years of this crap <laughs> and, and we can, we can laugh and we can look at each other and go, obviously it's not. And, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and isn't that a relief, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for this, folks. Is there anything, um, knowing that we're kind of coming to the end of our time, is there anything that you, you didn't get to convey that you would really like the audience to know about this work that you do with reframe it coaching? Sure. Yeah, I think that we, so we, we've had the wonderful opportunity to work with a number of clients 
individually and actually collect some data on that. And the data we have collected uh, is pretty exciting uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, um, that we are able to sort of operationalize uh, the amount of stress reduction. So we've worked with enough clients, a variety of issues they brought in from job related stress to relationship issues, to uh, loss, um, trauma, a, a wide variety of things. And across all of our clients, the uh, 100% of our clients um, have reduced their stress to a certain amount. And, and it, so that's wonderful. It does it does. Um, we have we. It shows that it does reduce stress and reduces the the uh, negative feelings associated with stress. Things like frustration, feelings of sadness, feelings of being overwhelmed. So we do have this sort of pattern of data that shows that it does reduce. But I think our passion, honestly, in in who we who we have worked with, is working with couples. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially because of the pandemic. Um, and the stress that created for couples, couples who I think largely, or many times couples spend a lot of time away from one another. They do um, fun things individually, and then they come back together and reestablish their connections. But the pandemic, I think, really did a number on a lot of people, like forcing everybody together all the time. And that's a challenge. And I think a lot of relationships have, have struggled and suffered because of that. And I think part of our passion is helping people reconnect and yeah. reconnect with a new language, not just like, Hey, be nicer to one another. You have to be empathetic, but establishing a new language of humor, absurdity, um, to help couples come closer together, I think is, is a wonderful, um, kind of pattern we're seeing. And we, we love doing this work. Yeah. And just to take that one step further, I would invite you and Dave, we'd love to hear back from you, how you use not just the Mad Lib, but the absurdity exercises again and again, because just because you completed those sentences once doesn't mean you might not want to do it again. And we are always curious to hear back from folks that we have been able to chat with and use humor with about how they continue applying it, because this principle is, um, this is a skill that, that can be used over and over again, if chosen to be practiced, just like meditation and mindfulness, humor is one way of demonstrating compassion for oneself and for others and to reconnect. So we're just grateful for the time that you've spent with us. And we hope you'll reconnect with us and share how you've continued your shared humor journey and um, let us know how you've helped each other by inviting versus um, imparting. Absolutely. I mean, Mallory Lodge, this will definitely not be the last you've heard from me. So we would be happy to let you know how that's all going. We would be happy to let you know when we're finally out of that small helium balloon. Um, and, uh, and then we can celebrate that in many different ways. And if our listeners would like to be in touch with you, first of all, I'd be happy to link to both of your websites from our podcast website, but is there anything else you'd like them to know about getting in touch with you, like following you on social media or anything you want to say about that? Yeah, uh, both of us have social media. I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, so Mallory DeSalle, and I'm sure you'll have that linked on the website, um, MalloryDeSalle.com. And Lodge and I are really excited about working with individuals, couples, and organizations to help them find ways to apply humor daily. So please do reach out and let us know how we can support you. 
as well. Lodge, how about you? Well, yeah, so same. Uh, so the link to my website is just my name, same kind of thing. So if it's linked in the episode, that's that's good for me. All right. And Dave, I'm not allowing the audience to reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea. <laughs> so thanks for coming. May you return sometime, but uh, we won't be leaving your email address or website for the audience. Um, <laughs> but let me just close us out by saying thank you, thank you, thank you to all three of you for being here. You're right, Mallory. It, you know, Dave did need to be here for this. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that you challenged me to do this. Um, and we will keep the conversation going. Thanks, folks. Thank you. Since that day I live in a dream